guest today is Faith Geiger. She describes herself as a human potentialist, integral coach, and future workplace therapist. Recently, she founded Tula. That's T-U-L-L-A. Tula is a workplace advising, coaching, and training company. But Tula is very different from other workplace culture or employee experience companies you may have come across in the past. For one, the word love shows up a lot on their website. It's even in their URL, T-U-L-L-A dot love. So you can find Tula on the web at www.tula.love. I love the sound of that. Tula is an integrative advising, coaching, and training company that exists to liberate and empower the human spirit, starting in the workplace. Grounded in science and guided by love, our methodology helps shape workplace cultures and the employee experience in a way that all stakeholders flourish in life and business. We work alongside conscious leaders who deliberately use their company as a force for good in the world and see themselves as stewards of human development and love. Taking a human-centered approach, we support leaders at all levels in guiding their team members to become the highest and best version of themselves, creating a positive ripple effect on business outcomes and society. Tula is led by Faith Geiger, a passionate human potentialist. Faith works and lives at the intersection of social work and business and spends her energy, time, and talents on improving the lives of others by creating the conditions inside of the workplace for people and organizations to flourish mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially. So pretty interesting stuff. And to be fair, in some ways, parts of this sound a lot like other companies who take a well-being-focused approach mm. to workplace culture and employee experience. But what if I told you that Tula may soon be offering MDMA-assisted therapies as part of their services? Just to be clear, Faith is an advocate for psychedelic-assisted therapy and believes it can be a helpful tool for unlocking human potential, creating a better employee experience and a more successful business. Do you want to hear more about that? I certainly do. Hey, Faith. <laughs> Hi. Uh, okay, so hearing that from just the introduction and then reading, that was that's the first time I've ever experienced that. So thank you. That was kind of a treat to hear it being reflected well, back. Well, I really enjoyed it. I think it's so uh, interesting and uh, it's worth uh, focusing on the things that are really, really different um, because I just love mm. that your URL has .love in it. And mm. it uh, comes across in, you know, just so many, um, you know, uh, parts of the content that you've got on the site. And I know a lot of times, like, we write things mm. trying to express or describe what we feel. And uh, sometimes that stuff, you know, kind of uh, doesn't exactly capture it. But I feel like this does a really good job of capturing what you've, um, you know, described to me in the past. I loved it. I enjoyed reading oh. it. Uh, and Gosh, yeah, thank you. Know, you. The, Seriously. Well, thank you. And thank you thank for being here today. Yeah. Of course. I'm so delighted. Honored. And I am as well. And one of the reasons that we're having this conversation is, you know, uh, because of the uh, MDMA assisted therapy. And one of the things that I want to make uh, really clear is that this is not necessarily a conversation about MDMA assisted therapy. That is one uh, thing that is part of the story uh, of unlocking human potential. Um and also within the kind of this, the unique context of the times that we're living in now and what we've all been through together with mm. the pandemic and, you know, all of those things. 
I think people are going to be really, really interested in the MDMA part. And so am I. And so mm -hmm. I definitely want to talk about it. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so am I. But I want to, yeah, okay. but I want to make sure that uh, for you, it fits in uh, in the right you know, yeah. kind of context. So uh, yeah. I've got a couple of questions here. Um, and I'd okay. like to start with, uh, you know, your career journey. So like many people, uh, you've had an interesting career journey. But your career journey is now taking you to places that most of us have never contemplated going. Uh, the headline, of course, mm. is that you have a unique perspective on the role of psychedelic-assisted therapy in cultivating potential and elevating humanity. Uh, and mm. that's starting in the workplace. And I want to emphasize yeah. that, in the workplace. Uh, yeah. How did your career journey start? Where has it gone? And how did you end up here? Oh, gosh. Great question. And it... Um, it actually brings up an interesting point that I'm a, a practice, not a point, a practice that I've started, which is to to create a timeline of life events because we often forget about our journeys or, you know, just just the milestone. So I, I was reflecting on this recently, um, just my my journey and how I got to where I am today how I arrived to where I am today. So um, without going into detail about every single job, obviously, or position, I will say that my, 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 my work life started at a very early age. I was working basically when I was like 15, worked at a retirement home. Then I went into retail um, and leadership development and retail uh, into the retail industry for about 12 years. And one of my stops before I decided, or my last stop in retail before I decided, I, I want to go back to school. I want to finish my um, degree path and I want to make sure I use my life as a force for good. Uh, my last stop was at Lululemon Athletica. And while many, many jobs or careers or companies that I worked for had such an impact on me, Lululemon probably had um, one of the greatest breakthroughs. So I managed a Lululemon Athletica. They focused a lot on personal and professional development. I was, of course, very interested in it. I had major breakthroughs in my life. Then I decided to get out of retail um, and I met Randy Eisenman, who's the founder of um, Satori Capital. And the point of being at Satori was to be his executive and personal assistant, which I had never done before, but I wanted to finish my degree. And so I thought, well, you know, I can either um, you know, find a, a part-time job so I can focus on school or, you know, here's this really amazing opportunity with an amazing human and great company. I will go be an executive assistant. And it ended up turning into so much more than an executive assistant and personal assistant. So he has a multi-strategy investment firm co-founded with his um, partner, Sonny Vanderbeck, and they take a, they, their approach to business is through the lens of conscious capitalism. And they're just a very unique company with amazing human beings and i they really gave me the room and of course i they gave me the space to be creative but i also was bringing ideas to the table and you know just showing up and providing my energy and talents in a way that was outside of the realm of executive and personal well, I have to say, such yeah, as i'm sorry to interrupt but i have to say you also no don't be um, sorry I, I think you're going to get uh, to this, but you had one of the most interesting and relevant titles in today's zeitgeist that I've ever seen before. And I think that originated there, right? So, uh, yeah. It, so don't. The stakeholder yeah. engagement manager. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this is, this is what, and we can talk about how other 
this is my belief about why companies can be a platform for human development and why I believe companies can be a force for good in the world and why we should take, why we should develop and nurture people's potential in the workplace because Lulu did that for me. And then Randy Eisenman and Satori Capital did that for me. They recognized my contribution. Here I was, you know, trying to go to school full time and I was an executive assistant and I was helping them design what is called the optimal perform, I'm sorry, optimal living initiative where we focus on mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health. So we built out this really cool, um, employee engagement, optimal living program that focused on people's development. And I got to be a part what, of that. And then that? that was in 20, oh gosh, great question. I was actually just looking at That's old funny, like I, goal yeah. setting from Satori. Yes. So I, that was probably 2013. Um, I started with Satori in 2012. I helped them recruit some integral team members. You know, they were only three years old when I joined the firm. And um, so I started bringing on team members and then helping design their culture and what an ama- with, yeah, with Randy. What an amazing experience because, um, you know, employee engagement was definitely a thing uh, back then. But this notion of um, conscious capitalism, stakeholder, stakeholder mm. uh, capitalism, right. um, that's really yeah. only coming to the forefront now. And so y'all were putting initiatives together around that years ago and uh, what a, uh, an amazing you know opportunity yes. to um be next to that so early oh yeah to be next to that. i love that yeah it was I, I mean i call it divine timing i call it good timing i call it you know preparation with um a constant commitment to to growing and developing i want to say preparation and luck yeah. but i i think we put ourselves in places for a reason so um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And Randy, and this is, you know, this is all interconnected in the conversation, but you know, we, it's really important to understand the impact that people have on us, that they shape our lives. They workplaces shape our lives. The people we spend time with shape our lives, mostly the workplace, because we spend most of our time there and they really helped not only shape my life, but really allow me to tap into, uh, qualities and my own potentials and and let me contribute in a way that i thought was meaningful and they also thought was meaningful too so um yeah stakeholder engagement manager and loved every moment of it uh loved the company still love the company stay in touch with with many of the team members and then one of my best friends uh who i brought from lululemon with me to go to satori capital and i was like you can still wear your lululemon like i know you're a cpa and i know you love you left that world to go, you know, into Lululemon, but you can actually wear Lululemon in the workplace, which isn't what she wears anymore. Let me just be clear. Um, she's now the vice president of stakeholder experience. Oh, that's awesome. Like she's focusing on internal, yeah. external. Anyway, it's so yeah, cool. It's so important Such a cool that all journey. things are drawn together. And, um, you know, I think the pandemic has given us many opportunities and one of them is definitely to see you know, carved in sharp relief, the relationship between the employee experience and the customer experience and shareholder experience. And yes. they, all, they all have to be in balance to some yes. degree. But you have this amazing... Didn't you use the word ecology? Yeah, I use did an it, ecosystem. We, did we talk yeah. about... Yeah, yeah. ecosystem. Because I think mm-hmm. uh, historically we thought of it as a value chain and that it's, you know, very mm-hmm. sequential and things flow, you know, uh, out towards, you know, other people in sequential steps or it's a triangle and, you know, or whatever. Uh, and the reality is I think it's much more organic than that. Uh, and, uh, it's more like a oh, merry go round than it is a slide. 
uh, people get on yeah. and get off in different places and you, you don't really know uh, when or where and you can't really control yeah. the, you know, that we've had all these concepts like buyer's journey and, you know, the employee journey yeah. and all that stuff as if it's this sequential thing and you can't really control that. But what you can control is the quality of every moment uh, that you try to create mm. uh, for people yes. and then, you know see what yes. happens but uh i think a lot of people are yeah. figuring that out and you know i think just very viscerally uh, uh yes know, if, yes if your employees poorly or if their mental health suffers so significantly because i don't know like a yeah. once in a century pandemic combined with a bunch of other stuff Gosh. you know your company's probably not yeah. going to do too well uh the shareholders aren't going to do right. too well the customers aren't going to be uh super satisfied so well but you're bringing up this is that you're bringing up the best point which is it's all interconnected yep. like it's it's all interconnected and it all has an it has a ripple effect um and speaking of you know the the future that is emerging you know yes if, if you don't take care of we have seen what happens when you don't take care of people and your community and your planet and all of these stakeholders in our ecosystem the future is what are we doing to actually cultivate the capacity and the emotional wellness and the resilience and the joy and love and freedom and liberation. So when we do, when, when we do experience another, you know, breakdowns, like we can all rise together from it and, you know, we can help, we can help each other. Um, it, that's the ripple yeah, effect. That didn't happen. Right. Like in the pandemic, I don't think no. that happened. And it's really interesting. No, you know, it's like, I always thought, <laughs> You know, I, I was a big fan of The Walking Dead. And uh, I, when I was watching The Walking Dead, uh, I loved it, but I always thought this isn't realistic because if we really faced a threat, we would all come together mm. as people. We wouldn't break into these tribes and, you know, believe yeah. different things and fight each other and, you yeah. know, enter this like scarcity yeah. mindset or whatever. But that's exactly what right? happened with the pandemic. It became a very oh tribal God, response. Uh, and it's just like, I always think like, you know, the answer to everything right now is like, it's the pandemic dummy. It's like, so whenever yeah. people are fighting or like, why are we having all this crazy? Yeah. It's like, just fix the pandemic. And, you know, mm. uh, people will uh, start, you know, coming together again, but like we can do better. Yeah. Well, fix are not fit. I mean, fix is, is, is a great term and cultivate, like cultivate and it's, I honestly had a really, I have been told or advised to not use love, like, don't, you know, as the world ready for that, will they understand, like, how do you take a loving approach? How do you liberate and empower the human spirit? And I just thought it's what we need. I'm not going to shy away from saying we take a loving approach. Does that mean that, you know, I don't rise to a challenge that I don't, I can't take command of a room that I can't hold accountable myself and others that I don't understand business and strategic initiatives. No, what it means is that I'm a heart centered leader who can come to the table and say, we've got a lot of really big freaking challenges. And, and how do we solve it with, with more of a heart center, with more of a loving approach. Anyway. No, I totally agree. And I think it's ironic it's, because the thing I was going to say is like, well, who cares if, you know, some people don't believe, uh, you know, what you believe or, or you know, but that's kind of, yeah. you know, the, it, it's ironic when it comes to the notion of love because eventually you want, you know, love to encompass everyone. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, yeah. the people who like, you know, there's just been such a range of responses uh, during the pandemic. Mm. And I think the people... Mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, just like were honest and told people when they were having a hard time 
and you yeah. know had empathy for their yes. you know experiences and everything i think they just fared yeah. a lot better emotionally yes um, and everything else because it let the love in you know a lot of people need to oh. let the love in not just give the love but yes. let it in yes and, uh, oh my god i love well, that leadership's that last That's frontier so right like everybody who's a leader yeah they enter it uh thinking well people expect certain things of me and they expect right. that i'm going to be in control, know what to do. I'm going to yeah, know it. I'm going to have all the answers. I'm going to be in control. I'm, I'm somehow yeah. going to be immune from no pun intended, all of the negative yeah. effects of COVID. I'm not going to struggle with the same things yeah. at home, you know, get my grocery deliveries, right. childcare, you know, all that stuff. And I think that a lot of leaders who tried to, um, hide their own struggles, uh, just didn't mm. really make it, you know, in terms of, you know, that's why yeah. there's a lot of people leaving jobs and stuff. They just, got a life's too short absolutely yes yes and it it doesn't have it's like the it doesn't have to be this way there's another way and you know i'm, I'm not um i'm not going to sum it up and just say all we need is love i mean there's there's that but it kind of is sometimes that yeah. simple like there is yes we have to understand all the mechanics of how to get there and systems and different theories and possibilities and create and strategic initiatives like i understand there's this system of how we get yeah. there but to your point it's like we're we're all really there's a lot of suffering and there can be less of it or we can we can bind together to to rise up together in our in our own individual and collective ways and those leaders who you know it's it it's it is incredibly hard to watch what's happening on so many levels. And it's also revealing what we were lacking in the first place because we wouldn't crack and fall apart this way if we had things and if we didn't operate the way we were operating, yeah. you know, with more of a, a, a scarcity mindset, all of the isms that exist, like all of the lack of compassion and the lack of connectedness, the lack of understanding of our impact on each other and the world around us, like, you know, we have, that's what we have to do now. And we would, we would be, we would still hurt from the blow, but we wouldn't crumble. Like we could be resilient. I agree. And, uh, you know, as you're saying it, <clears throat> that's why I think it's so important that you use the word love because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our problems are caused by the language that we use. And a lot of language in the workplace is very robotic. It's very, um, yes. you know, meant to um, make emotions secondary to pragmatism. Yeah. And we use a lot yeah. of, uh, yeah. you know, like abbreviations and jargon and stuff like that. And, uh, I think, yeah. uh, a lot of that is wired to take the human, you know, part of it, uh, out. Um, and mm -hmm. so uh, I'll say that I love mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, you've got love, um, all over your website in your message, but also in your heart, uh, as you're doing. Oh, what you're doing. Thank you. Thank so you. you. Thank you. You know, like you have this amazing background. You've got this background in, um, you know, retail. I'd love to talk about uh, Lululemon, uh, but that could probably be a, you know, a three hour conversation because I'd love to hear about your experience <laughs> there. And then you yeah, go through financial you. Um, uh, services uh, and then you start your own business. Uh, and now yeah. you uh, have arrived at uh, Tulla. And, uh, you know, I do want to, uh, talk about Tulla, but a lot of people would look at that. Like they just went and like, you know, um, looked at your profile on LinkedIn or whatever. They'd see those experiences yeah. and they'd say, what do these things have in common? Um, and mm. as you talk about it, they have so much in common, uh, because there was a real strong realization 
at Lululemon mm-hmm. and um, uh, at Satori Capital. Did I say that right? Satori Capital? At Satori Capital. Yes. Uh, and in your own practice after that, that there was an interconnected mm-hmm. relationship uh, between, you know, people who are working for the company and the customers who are part of that community and the shareholders mm-hmm. and a sense of fairness and, you know, impact on social mm-hmm. good. And so it has now, at this point in your life, led you to Tulla. Uh, Tulla takes a very unique approach. So uh, what does Tulla do? Let's start there. Yeah. So uh, we offer three different sets of services advising, which is macro level advising. And I'd say more on um, anything related to HR, people development, performance, anything related to human development, advising at a macro scale. But I have a social work background. And so I, I take, there's a there's a lens that I have around the, the, the advising, the macro level advising on workplace culture and the employee experience through the lens of a social worker. Then we have, uh, coaching, integral coaching, and the coaching is team coaching or individual coaching. And mostly it it, it depends on, um, what the person needs, but it's very transformational coaching where you focus on mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being. Uh, now not all companies are interested in, in hiring coaches that take that multidimensional approach, but that is my approach to always ensure that I'm taking into account the whole person. Well, so more integral coaching. I'm sorry, just from increasingly though, uh, people are, uh, um, uh, more accepting of, you know, these multiple holistic dimensions of well-being. And, you know, just a very mm. uh, simple example is um, the proliferation of meditation uh, apps uh, as solutions yeah. that are yeah. provided Good by point. employers uh, to people in the yeah. workplace to help with that spiritual component of well-being. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's all on a spectrum, right? Like how far does it tilt, yeah. um, you know, yes. between pragmatism and spirituality. Uh, but it seems mm. like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, scale is uh, tilting a little bit uh, more towards, uh, you know, that holistic understanding of you have to be well to do well. Right. And so uh, yes. advisory, yes. coaching and advising, coaching and training. And so yes. uh, that's what you do. How do you do it? How does it uh, actually work? So the all models, advising, coaching, or training is all informed through what I call the emergent method. It's our process of the three-phase process, inquire, design, integrate. So we take a, um, a very human-centered approach and our lens is, okay, let's take a scan of the entire environment and through the lens of a logic model, understanding what, out, what are the inputs and the outputs, how do we put a plan together to create the conditions inside of the workplace that are aligned with the strategic initiatives of the company and helping team members, employees develop personally and professionally. So the first phase through inquiry is getting to know the environment through observation. It, it's through coaching, through one-on-one, through feedback, through stakeholder interviews. So it's this full inquiry of what's happening in the environment right now that's informing what's showing up in the organization, both very tangibly, like their outputs, their customer service scores, their financial output, the, anything that you can tangibly see. And then what's happening on the inside? You know, what's the culture like? How are people feeling? What, what, is, what are the engagement scores that you can measure? Um, and just how are people doing in life in general? So we, we take this, this inquiry approach. Once there's enough information in place that can really inform a strategy, um, then we design a, a an overall strategy to support the needs of the organization. And oftentimes, Brett, I don't know if 
you've experienced this, but people go into the conversation when I'm being hired, it's like, we have this problem. And then you go in and you do the work and you really like get to the root. And it's, it's sometimes totally different. Like this thing that they want help with is a symptom of the root. Issue. Oh yeah. I run into that uh, all the time and I'm, I actually start yeah. further out. Right. So a lot of times people are asking us to help with their brand. Right. And mm. they're not even thinking about their people or anything about the environment mm. or anything like that. And uh, we'll go mm -hmm. in and, you know, we'll talk uh, to folks, uh, you know, in a, a probably a similar uh, discovery uh, process, but more focused on customer experience, you know, brand, stuff like that. And every mm -hmm. now and then what we find is that the brand problem is not a brand problem at all. It's an environment or culture problem. Um, that, you know, is wow. leading to the inability of a company to live any sort of brand that people want to connect Gosh. with. Um, yes. but you know, try going to, God, you know, amazing. a company after they've hired you to like create a logo and say, Hey, you know, the way this brand is really going to fly is if we fix your employee experience problem. <laughs> so we, at least you're a little bit, closer. Oh. You, know, you start in a little bit. Uh, yeah. That, that's where they, that, yeah, that's usually why I'm called in right from the beginning, but that's amazing. Like, wow, that really is uh pretty amazing that that's through your exploration and your inquiry process that you can arrive to that place. And that's a hard conversation to have um, with these leaders, but I know you all do it. But you know, uh, back to what you were uh, talking about, somebody yeah. hires you for one thing, right? Uh, this thing that they think is yes. the problem. So what yes. most often is the problem that they think they're hiring you for, the opportunity that they're trying to unlock or whatever? Yeah. Okay, great question. And you should totally coach me or school me mm -hmm. on this, but I have a hard time saying, here's the problem yep. we solve. I do not like talking about problems, but people have, you know, it's like you have, the client has, the customer has to know what you're solving for them. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I get it. But my brain thinks, what is the possibility they want to create? Yep. And you, and you said that. So sometimes, sometimes people actually don't know what they need. They just know they need a, a change in the environment. So it's, it's, it could be, you know, obviously they can see scores and employee engagement scores. So that's the first indicator from a human resource perspective or an executive perspective or anybody like, okay, we need, we need to work through this. And then of course, any, any company that wants their team members to be exposed to ongoing personal and professional development. So there there's coaching services or training services. Um, those are usually the first identifiable needs employee engagement scores or ongoing personal and professional development. And to your point, like more people, more companies want their team members to experience coaching. Um, but what I have been hired to do is what, how do you unlock potential and how does it have a, an effect on the company? And so it, it's really more integral coaching and advising services that emerges and the need that they have is revealed as a possibility. It's what can be possible for my organization? What can be possible for my team members? Um, and how can we create a world that has, or how can we create a company that has a significant impact on our people and all of the stakeholders in the system? So the possibility is um, usually generated around the idea of, I want, I want to create good in the world and I want to create, I want to create a company that can offer that to our team members and our, our stakeholders. Are they already there or do you um, get them there? So does, do you ever get a call that's like my, my engagement score? 
scores suck. Uh, you know, we need to work on this because it's having an impact on turnover. And then, you know, two mm-hmm. or three months into it, uh, you're like, hey, uh, you know, it'd really make a difference if like people were actually able to rally around a vision and purpose that's authentic uh, in creating good in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, and you should just focus on that instead of like, you know, the the businessy side of the business so much. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? That so they're not there ever usually in the beginning. And that's kind of the point of when you start to, when you meet with a client and they're sharing their needs, once you get into the work and you're observing and you're getting to know the people, and usually there's a root issue and that's just the symptom that they've identified. Um, so I, because I'm getting my clinical hours starting next month, um, but even before I decided to, to move into clinical work, my approach is to create a trusting alliance with people. So they know that when I come to them and I have feedback or I have these, these thematic observations, because I'm, I'm talking to people, I'm watching the environment, I'm seeing outputs. When I come to a leader or an executive team or people an HR team or whoever's helping make decisions, I can, I can say, look, this is what I'm hearing. And, and here's, both the quantitative data, if we do pre and post survey, um, or it's qualitative data. And here's what I'm hearing at a thematic level from your team. And then ideally, and I, I believe this is a gift of mine and that I would like to, you know, honor is people really trust that I, I have their best interest in mind. And so when I come to them and I'm sharing details about, Hey, you wanted this, but we really need to focus on rallying around a vision. And here's some other work that we need to do. They're usually, they usually are like, yes, aligned. Okay. Let's, let's move forward. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like, uh, as, um, you know, uh, people who provide consulting and coaching and, you know, stuff like that, we're often in a position of moral hazard, uh, which is sometimes Mm. people want to use us as the blunt instrument to prosecute their agenda internally. And Mm. Uh, we have these superpowers, right? Like, um, a lot of people like us have this empathetic superpower where we can mm. listen to and understand where someone's coming from and respond to it uh, in a way that is helpful for that individual or helpful towards yes. the goals of an organization or whatever. Yes. But, you know, the dark yes. side of that superpower, and a lot of people use the dark side, is that you can also use it to convince people to fall in line and do certain things that are good for uh, one, you know, like stakeholders, right? And uh, it's yes. very, Great so point. it's just very interesting mm. because, um, a lot of times the, the things that need to be done in order to uh, take advantage of the opportunity that you want to take advantage of, um, you know, it takes a lot of work and it takes a collaborative relationship for those things to even wind up on the Absolutely. table at some point. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, let me let me uh, build this, uh, you know, back uh, together so that uh, we all understand. Okay. So someone calls you because they want to create a better employee experience. They want to create a better environment. They want to, you know, achieve uh, some, um, you know, objective. Um, Self-realization. They want to help actualize. No, <laughs> so, self-actualization. self-actualization. <laughs> yeah. uh, climb all the way to the top of Maslow hierarchy. And um, you come in and you do a lot of observation. Uh, your team does a lot of observation. The observations in the form of, you know, primary uh, research, quantitative and qualitative surveys, uh, interviewing people, uh, gathering insights. You identify mm-hmm. themes uh, in the environment that run mm-hmm. counter to the goals or opportunities that the business wants to unlock. And then mm-hmm. you recommend a solution. What types of solutions are 
are you recommending and, and how does that end up manifesting yeah. in the work that comes after to, you know, unlock these opportunities? Yeah, great question. So one thing that I want to say about the, the inquiry phase is it never stops. So it's not like you, it's not this linear process. It's not a one, two, three. It's they, they kind of, I traverse in all of these, you know, these, these phases, but the first phase is when you're, when you're gaining as much insight as possible to be informed, you know, at a certain point in a timeline, you have to start designing the solution or talking about the solution. So usually the solutions can, can vary they can vary, but it would be, it would fall in line with the services that I offer outside of advising, which would be, let's, let's focus on coaching. So maybe you have individual coaching or team coaching, uh, or it is, it's offering training to team members inside the organization that might really benefit from, you know, um, I want to say scaling their idea or championing the change inside the workplace. Uh, the other solutions can invo- involve like evaluating their core values. You know, are they, are whether they have them or they don't have them, maybe it's a, a core value journey. Um, it's, it might be reframing their vision statement or their long-term strategy. Um, I would say that if I used examples of, of what we have done for clients who wanted to create a great workplace culture and employee experience, and this was at Hotel Drover in the Fort Worth Stockyards, and they were a new, this was awesome a new hotel. entity. Yeah. It's so Isn't great. it it's amazing? It's so great for Fort Worth, but uh, for people who have not been there, a lot of people are coming to Fort Worth now, but this is more than a hotel. This is like a, has become rapidly like a cultural icon in the stockyards. Yeah. Like, in no time yeah. at all. And it just kind of, to me, it's a harbinger of like the future of Fort Worth. So, uh, it, it's, it's an exciting place. So go on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very exciting place. Cool development or redevelopment. So we identified integral coaching for their, uh, their leadership team or their executive team of the new hotel. And that was six people there, the vice president of the hotel, vice president, general manager, and then their executive team. So we provided integral coaching to all of their executive team as they were being onboarded as part of the process of kind of integrating them. Uh, but prior to even doing that, we actually visited the client's corporate office in Las Vegas. So we, we got a sense of who they are, what they wanted to create in Fort Worth, how they could become an extension of how can they, they build this great culture. Um, but this is a 25-year-old company that uh, is in Las Vegas. So we started there. Then we started integral coaching for their executive team members. Uh, and then we walked to them. We took them through a core values journey, which was a several several month process around how do you want your, when, the question was, when your team members leave work for the day, how do you want them to feel? What are they feeling? And then when your client leaves or your customer, your stakeholder, your, your guest leaves, how do you want them to feel? How do you want them to feel while they're on site? So we took them through the core values journey and helped them understand, and not just them, this is how I feel about core values in general, you know, how they actually, when you embody them, how they live out in the employee experience and how they impact the customer experience or the guest I experience. I love so much about that. Uh, it reminds me of a Maya Angelou quote, which I'm going to get totally wrong, but oh. it was something like, people won't remember <laughs> what you say and they won't remember what you do, but they'll always remember how you made mm. them feel. Um, oh, and then I True. love that yes. you connected it all the way out to the customer experience and um, yeah. you know, really showing how, um, you know, the, uh, the feelings are really 
should be around those values or what you're yes. trying, the vision that you're trying to achieve. And yes. you know, everyone should be running yes. in the same direction around what that, um, you know, vision is. Um, Absolutely. And that's how you actually attract the right people. Like who are the right people to work here? How will they make others feel? Um, and how do we create, how will our values actually improve people's lives? You know, are we focused on values inside and outside of the workplace that really help improve somebody's mm -hmm. life for, for the long term? not just, I come in and I'm there from, you know, yeah. whatever, of course, a lot of us are remote now, well, yeah, but this but is hospitality. To your point, so. we don't, no one has a job. I mean, this is going to sound terrible when I say it, but no one has a job anymore. Like if all you had was a job, you got out of that yeah. thing because like so many people That's are right. like moving on from this notion of just showing up and working someplace to, is this, you know, yeah. does this as, uh, you know, our vice president of employee experience says, does this fill my cup? You know, and if it, Oh, I love yeah, that. And if yes. it doesn't, I mean, it's like life is too short. So people are, you know, getting in vans and, <laughs> you know, living on the road I know. and doing other things. Imagine what we could have avoided. So if we look at where we are today and company people leaving at just this rapid pace, it's kind of mind boggling. This great resignation also is the great yeah. awakening of like, oh no, this is not how I want to spend my time. We spend, and this is why, you know, also part of what we originally talked about, Brett, is we spend, from my perspective, I, I focus more on adult development yeah. in the workplace, but two of the most, two very important developmental phases of our life are spent in the workplace. And this isn't a 10 year span. This is 18 to 65 years old. There's 18 to 40 years old, which is anyway, I won't go into detail, but this is Eric Erickson's psychosocial model of development. We are shaping people's lives and value systems and purpose and meaning and our vision. That's part of how we shape. Uh, we'll people. drop that in the description. People need to read that. Um, because it is profound. Yeah. And I see it all the time. The, you know what? Go ahead. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, I just see it. It's like people, um, based on the experiences they have with their employers and the motivations of those employers and the way they treat them, uh, they can end up at 40 being uh, very paranoid and having a very like, uh, almost yes. like anti-establishment view of, of these yes. profiteering business owners who have always taken advantage of me, or they can end up having right. very rich relationships and, you know, like a, 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 a an ecosystem that works where they were That's proud right. of the work That's that right. they did and they were proud of the, you know, the companies that they worked with and the customers. That yes. They served. Um, but I'd never thought of it in that context. I never thought of it as like ongoing development in that context. Yes. Yeah. Well, most people, we, we stop talking about development once people start in the workplace, which is nuts because we stop thinking about anyway. Yeah. There's, there's a problem on why we companies, not a problem. There's a possibility for companies to adopt an understanding of we really are stewards of human development and love. And by the way, you said, you know, when somebody is moving into their forties, they can have their perspective on the world or their outlook on the world could be, this is a terrible place to be, or it can be, I love, you know, I have very uh, meaningful relationships. I have a, I have love and intimacy in my life. I have this deep soul fulfilling, or I have this, I have this meaningful life. So during stage six in Eric Erickson's psychosocial model of development, the stage six is called intimacy versus, um, intimacy versus um, isolation. 
And the main virtue in this developmental stage that we as humans are trying to experience, the desired virtue out of this developmental phase is love. And if we are successful in that phase of development and we move into our uh, seventh stage, which is, I'm sorry, yeah, our seventh stage, which is generivity versus stagnation. So here you are, you're 18 to 40 years old, spending your, your life in the workplace, you're being shaped, you're being informed, your perspective on life is still being developed, you're learning intimate relationships, not just like sexual relationship, you're learning intimacy and trust. And how do I, how do I dialogue with someone? How do I be in relationship with someone, with my coworkers? Then you, if, if you're successful, the desired virtue you experience is love. And then you move into 40 to 65, generativity versus stagnation. What happens when you are generating is you are contributing to the world around you. You're raising your family. You are mentoring, you're coaching, you're giving back all of these gifts that you have cultivated and you're sharing them and contributing them in the a major phase of your life of 40 to 65 years old. Yeah. That's a, that's big it's work. It's big work and it's a tremendous responsibility on both sides. Yes. You know? um, that's it's right. not just, uh, you know, we've, all talk to, um, you know, uh, different business owners and different executives who have, uh, different views of, you know, people as a resource, people as capital, mm. uh, or, you yeah. know, people as people. Um, yeah. and, uh, it, you know, you can just really see a difference over the long run, uh, in terms of sustainability. Um, yes. when it comes to just, you know, how are the people doing that you like, I, I've run the same company now for over 20 years. A lot of the people that That's I've worked so cool. with, I've worked with for 15 years, 10 years. And if I look yeah. back on uh, people who have come through the star conspiracy and people who are still there, generally speaking, I see a very productive, happy, engaged, supportive, loving community. Mm. Um, and, mm. you know, I've seen other, um, you know, work environments where people come in, they get beat up and, you know, their career yeah. kind of goes on a spiral from that point forward yeah. because they lost yes. the trust, they lost the love, they lost the engagement. Right. Um, and it only... And then they isolate. And then they isolate. And it only takes one. And, and during a pandemic, you know, isolation in, you know, mm. <laughs> quarantine or whatever can yeah. be like really uh, tough to climb out of. And uh, yes. I, I really uh, believe this notion that it only takes one really bad employee experience, one really bad job, mm. one really bad manager or whatever mm. to kind of screw you up for a long time. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big deal. It's like you get out of your childhood and hopefully you haven't been, you know, had a, 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 a hard upbringing, yeah. which I, I do come from, you know, I've had a, my mother's bipolar, my sister's bipolar, or they have bipolar disorder. They are not that they have the disorder. Like I grew up in a, a, a household that did not shoot me out into the world and say like, you've got this. So then I'm like, okay, here we go. Then I go into the workplace. My life was shaped by some of the most amazing human beings. And I owe where I am today to I, partially to this system, this ecosystem of people that were like, we're going to figure out how to lift you up. You're going to do your work. You're going to work hard. You're going to hit your goals. You're going to, you know, you're going to do all the things that you're supposed to do in your job. And we're also going to make sure that we invest in you, which is like, that's how relationships work. These reciprocal we, we give and we share and we give and take, and we have 
Sometimes we have confrontation, but how we move through that will also change the trajectory of our, our relationship with them. Anyway, huge responsibility. It is, you know, I'd love to have a deeper conversation about the, this is another area where I would just, you know, uh, I would love to double click and stick on it for like four hours. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because I had a terrible childhood um, and uh, a lot, I'm right there with a you. lot of folks uh, who I know who are the most, um, who have the most intent and are the most conscientious about, um, you know, trying to do good and be good for others mm. are ones who learn that later in life because they were supported in a way that they weren't supported yes. by their families. And so, yes. you know, the catch 22 yes. is that I think that adversity can be such a powerful, um, launch pad for so many beautiful people, but you don't want to have to yes. create adversity in order for people to, you know, like my kids have not experienced no. adversity. Well, except for this fucking <laughs> pandemic, um, yeah. the pandemic, they've experienced no adversity. But you know what? They're resilient because yeah. of it. They're resilient now. Well, now I should feel better because I used to wonder, should I create some false adversity so that they turn out okay? But now the pandemic's <laughs> happened. So, <laughs> oh, well, that's we've funny. got it. So that's yeah, a good, we got to yeah. talk about, um, uh, MDMA. Um, yeah. So before I get on to the topic of uh, MDMA, is there anything that uh, yes. I didn't ask you that I should have or that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to? Well, the, uh, thank you for the follow up. That was just the final piece of the process that I yep. you, we use at Tula uh, is integration. Okay. And integration is important and it'll, it'll actually lead into the conversation around psychedelics too, but integration in life, the lessons that we learn, how are we, you know, the, the strategy that's in place, how are we integrating in the workplace, these values, how are we integrating it, personal development, how are we integrating in life? So it changes our way of being, mm -hmm. um, anyway, the integration phase so is important So most of that too. work has to be done at the individual and ground level and team level, right? It's like, is that where the integration occurs? I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the day in and day out work, whether it's through, uh, through the coaching and you have weekly practices or you have homework, um, which can be a variety of practices in different domains. It could be, you know, it, it, having a, a team meeting where you start to start talk about your core values. So integration comes in many different ways through a meeting, through the integration of, um, these practices that maybe you're, you're given during the coaching service. Uh, but it's, it's ongoing. So, <clears throat> Tell me, uh, uh, in, uh, now we, we will get to MDMA. People are going to be really upset by this okay. headline because it's going to say MDMA. <laughs> <laughs> but we will get there. Yes. But solve, the, you know, solve this riddle for me. How, how much different really is coaching from therapy? Go. Oh, uh, it is the technique and probably the licensing. I mean, so it's techniques that you use. There's cognitive behavioral coaching. And then there's cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. therapy. So the difference is for clinicians have thousands of hours of clinical work, direct practice in a, a very, can be in a very focused area of um, a, a therapeutic modality. Coaches also have thousands, could have thousands of hours of training, but they're the, the, there's clinical training and then there's coaching. They overlap. I, I guess I should yeah. say that there's a lot of overlap, but, um, clinicians are held to different standards. They're different, held to different ethical guidelines. They have different practices. They go deeper into more of this, maybe probably the science, um, or the, anyway, it is, does, that, is that a good let's, answer? You know, it, was, answer it was kind question? of a trap because I, I, I want oh. to, um, 
take your answer, which I think is, uh, I totally agree with everything you said and put it in okay. perspective with what's happening right now. So pandemic, mm. big yeah. focus on well-being. Companies like BetterUp have raised hundreds of millions of dollars to offer these virtual coaching uh, solutions to companies. Yeah. And so uh, there's, you know, there's so many of them out there. And sometimes they have coaches. Sometimes they have therapists. Sometimes they yeah. have, you know, credentialed yeah. coaches and sometimes they don't. And these platforms yep. have mm -hmm. all the same, uh, you know, challenges that everyone else has around maintaining a, um, you know, a workforce of people who can be on the other side of the computer when somebody dials in for a virtual coaching or therapy session or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, there's different uh, standards that people are held to uh, through credentialing and everything. Right. Um, but that's on a spectrum for both of those. So, you know, uh, I could call myself a coach. Sure. Right. Like I could, I, I've got a lot of experience yeah. and I could yeah. coach somebody and I've got a point of view. There's all sorts of, yes. Yeah. And then there's yes. certified coaches. Yes. And then there's, yes. you know, uh, people who have, uh, are certified, but also have only done coaching in a very specific context for a very long time. Uh, and so they've got a lot right. of the hours and then you've got, you know, different levels of certification in therapy, um, in different styles right. and et cetera. How much potential is there right now in the moment of probably mm -hmm. greatest need where we're trying to build the most access to coaching and therapy, how much potential is yeah. there that there's a lot of people who might not ought to be doing that work? Uh, and how, you know, and are we, you know what I mean? Like oh, this is the biggest yeah. wave. I think people have thought about this. This is the biggest yeah. wave of yeah. coaches and therapists that we have ever yes. put in front of employees yes. in history. And this is just, the, it's just start. the start. And I see the other side of it. I see a lot of these companies struggling yeah. to keep their stable of, you know, freelance coaches because, uh, yeah. you know, uh, one coach might be on three different platforms, you know, and yeah. uh, some of the therapists mm -hmm. who use this model might be on, you know, Talkspace and two others. And it's almost kind of like yeah. Uber in some ways. Uh, you know, they want to stay yeah. booked. So they're going to go out and, you know, be yeah. on multiple platforms. So how critical is the credibility <laughs> of that person uh and uh how much i mean does any of this make sense how much uh risk is there yeah here, or I, is it I, just helpful to be able yes. to talk to somebody yes oh my gosh well always helpful just to be able to talk to somebody i'll just say that but it depends on the need of the person so if somebody is experiencing major depression I would not put them on a call with a coach who I wouldn't, it, I would, I would might say coaching and therapy would be helpful because I, I know a therapist that is trained in these modal healing modalities or these therapeutic modalities that completely understand the science and the brain science and the behind depression and they are trained deeply in it. So if the need is, you know, I think people have to be clear about the need and as coaches and clinicians, I'm not a clinician yet, but we have to, ha we have an obligation to the client to determine if this is someone we can mm -hmm. support. And if it is out of our realm of training and understanding, we don't do the work we refer. So I think, um, I think first, what's really important is right right now, having somebody to talk to, talk to is so helpful. Even if it's, hey, Brett, I'm actually, 
I'm here to support you. I'm going to offer you a referral. Um, or you want coaching in this. And, you know, I, I provide integral coaching, which is pretty multidimensional. But if you're looking for this specific set of skills, I know a great coach. Or yeah, does that make sense? Does. So refer. It really does. Okay. Um, and I think people should train. This is why I'm developing more uh, the train the trainer model is we need really phenomenal um, training yep. and we need phenomenal understanding and why I want to blend clinical work with business because we have to understand how to take care of our people and the business, but we have to understand the kind of the science behind it and the research informed evidence-based approach to um, taking care of well, people. The reason I ask is because, you know, <clears throat> you're going to be doing some pretty intense stuff. You already do some pretty intense stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, um, uh, when I'm working with like HR practitioners who are thinking about like, mm -hmm. um, uh, getting a coaching, uh, software solution, they care more, yeah. they do more due diligence on the software platform than they do how the coaches are recruited to be on the platform. Oh. Um, and oh. so, you know, yeah. to me, I'm just, uh, I think it's an open question uh, around yeah. well, how much does it matter in certain contexts? So you uh, identified a very specific, um, you know, gradient, which yeah. I think makes a lot of sense. If someone has like yeah. a clinical, you know, need, then, you know, obviously their uh, need is greater yeah. and they should be matched with someone uh, who has the right credentials. Uh, but a lot of times it is okay just to, you know, you just need somebody to talk to. And, you know, that's, you know, yeah. someone outside of, you know, so you feel safe, someone outside of your team or your yeah. company. Uh, but I'm really torn about it because uh, I, I have seen, yeah. um, you know, uh, people take really bad advice and, you know, um, mm. work it into yeah. their lives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get a certificate to be a coach in like two uh, hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I might be exaggerating a little, but not all coaching programs are created yeah. equally. They're you're to your point, like why you're really torn is nothing, especially the work that this deep work, it's not all created equally. Um, so the due diligence, and I think, you know, hopefully you're advising your, these HR practitioners who are making this software selection to say, get to know the the team yeah. what are their hiring yeah. practices how do they train and develop well what anyway. i do actually is tell them to go through the process of applying to be a coach on the platform and i have filmed every single oh. application process from major players <gasps> yes. and you get a really good sense of how uh credible yeah uh, you know their um uh the yeah. barrier to entry is uh, and there's some really great ones out mm. there and there's some other ones that are just like, uh, put your email in and uh you know we'll <laughs> uh, get in touch with you yeah but Brett, there's a, there's a lot to your point. There's such a massive need. And I, if the intention is good, it's like we're, people are trying to figure out how to be more yeah. helpful and help suffering. And so I, I, my perspective is, you know, of course I, I'm pretty, I want to say optimistic, but you know, there's a, there's such a need and we need to be very careful yeah. as well. We need to be discerning, discerning in, in our well, approach. You know, I just think it, like I'm, so I, a long time ago became a Bertman certified consultant. So that's one of the assessments, you know, that is very similar to like the Myers-Briggs or whatever. Uh, and they were yeah. a client of ours, like way, way back in the day. Um, and it's a lot, it's like a two hour assessment and, uh, you know, they produce, I mean, they've probably had millions of people take it. And so it's all benchmarked and, you know, you get these coaching reports and all that stuff, but to be fair, 
you know, uh, I got my certification, uh, you know, over the, the course of, you know, uh, I think a week, uh, training in person there. And then like a couple of follow-up sessions, uh, and there's a lot of coaching assistance and the reports that are providing everything. But if I looked back on my 30 something year old self, giving advice to people based on uh, their results to this assessment, it's like, <laughs> Uh, I hope they didn't take it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, or or like we should just learn critical thinking skills and, you know, these skills that unfortunately aren't taught in school, like logic and philosophy and critical thinking. So you might be given advice and I might be like, hmm, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, isn't it? Yeah. That doesn't sound smart. Well, and, you know, you bring up another point, uh, which is, uh, you know, challenging uh, people um, who give you advice yes. as a way to gain deeper understanding, I think is really, really critical. But that's really hard to do if yeah. the person who's giving you the advice is your boss or your manager. Mm. Um, and so I, there's yeah. so many I complex layering of, uh, you know, like, yeah. just uh, status relationship, you know, kind of power dynamic things that go into all of this. Yes. Uh,